I always wanted to sing in a, in a quartet. And when I was studying theology in Monomorelos, I, at the beginning of the years when they begin forming the quartets, and I attempted to get in one of them. They tested my voice, and they told me, Ricardo, we'll call you. Never called me. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved to the seminary. I began teaching over here in 96. And uh, Jim and Mirko Kish, they were forming a quartet. So I made an attempt. They allowed me to sing only once at a funeral over here in Beringsville, remember? And let me tell you, I thought that as a result of the singing, the corpse moved a little bit, but despite that. But thank you very much. That was, that was wonderful. That was, that was wonderful. I'd like to thank David for the opportunity uh, to preach. Uh, usually, he's always invited me since he's been in charge of chapel uh, at this time of the year. Last year, I failed him. Normally, what I do, I preach the same sermon because, you know, memory is lacks. So you probably won't remember what I preached a couple of years ago. But thank you for the opportunity. Hispanic heritage. And I was wondering why it begins in the middle of September and goes through the middle of October. And I decided for this occasion to investigate about it. And it is because September the 15th of 1821 is when a lot of, most of Central American countries became independent from Spain, including Costa Rica, my native country. And when I was reading the list of the countries, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Costa Rica is number one. And I said, there's got to be a meaning to that. Is that important? And then I realized that they put the names of the countries in alphabetical order. So, <laughs> but um, Hispanic American heritage is closely associated with immigration. And immigration is a controversial subject. But I'm not going to deal with anything controversial. Everything is going to be positive. Uh, if, if you want a good perspective on, on, uh, his, on immigration from a biblical perspective, because this is what I'm going to be speaking today from a biblical perspective, I recommend Daniel Carroll. We had him over here in Andrews a few years ago. He's a professor, he's a professor in Denver Seminary. Excellent fellow. He was born in Guatemala, son, he, he's, you know, he's a son of missionaries. And he has a wonderful perspective on immigration based on the book of Ruth. I highly recommend. However, you need to know that there is controversy. For instance, there is the idea no one is illegal. And there is this uh, folk uh, uh, theology uh, that is even disseminated by singers like Ricardo Arjona, Ricardo Arjona, the Guatemala. He has a, a, a song, and it's a video. You can read it in YouTube. You can see it in YouTube. It's called Mojado. Mojado means wetback. And he even presents so in, in, in the lyrics, in theology, he says, um, uh, God, the counselor, 
Council of the World has given us permanent visa to anyone to go any country, any place we want. And of course, that's very controversial because there are rules that we have to respect. And also in the issue of immigration, is it okay for pastors to baptize undocumented aliens or accept them as church members? Well, you know, it's, I'm not going to be speaking about it. Yeah, but it will be nice to talk about it some other days. What I'm going to be doing today is um, talk about one of my favorite immigrants from the scriptures, Shama. Shama was one of the valiant or one of the, um, the soldiers, of the 30 soldiers of, uh, um, uh, of, of David. I read once that all sermons need to have three stories. Number one, the story of the Bible, because it needs to be rooted in the Bible. And my sermon is going to be rooted in the scriptures. The story of the preacher. And this is my story because I'm an immigrant. My, an immigrant. The challenge that I have is how to make this your story. And, and I think it should be our story because our citizenship is in heaven. And we are all immigrants because there is migrant, there is emigrant, and there is immigrant. We are all immigrants to heaven. And out of this story of Shama, we can gain some insights in how to face the challenges in this journey to heaven. Well, the Bible tells us, it's in 2 Samuel, chapter 23. 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. Sonia read it beautifully. I'm not going to read it again. But he was son of Agi, and he says he was Herarite. And then I was investigating where that place was, and I thought it was from Hara. Hara was the place where uh, it was a city, a refuge city for people in, in, in the days of Tiglath-Pileser uh, from Assyria. Um, and that was in the south. Most scholars believe that, that people from the Hararites dwell in the mountains of Judah. This is in the kingdom of the south, in Judea, in Judea. So it is established that he was uh, an immigrant because he was living in Galilee. And he was living in Galilee because you read in verse 25 that he was Herodite, not Hararite. Shama the Herodite. And Harodite was close to Jerusalem, southeast part of Jerusalem, probably 140 kilometers distance. And nowadays, if you take, uh, if you are over there, if you take um, Highway Route 6 and 1, in 140 kilometer, kilometers, you get over there in about an hour and a half. But in Shama's day, days, it will take him almost a week just walking. 
Why he moved to this new place is not stated in the scriptures. But I assume he moved for the same reasons we all immigrants moved to a new place, looking for better pastures or for better living conditions. And then all began again. The story of immigrants, challenges, hard work. And hard work for Shama represented, represented agriculture. There were no factories in those days where you could find a job. So he planted with much sacrifice a field of lentils. Lentils. Lentils um, are and were a commodity in those days. Uh, Ezekiel says that he would make bread using lentils as one of the ingredients. When David fled from Absalom, his son, he was given lentils for food. And the red stew cooked by Jacob were doubtless made out of reddish-brown lentils. They are delicious. They are powerful. And notice I say powerful, not explosive. <laughs> now, growing a healthy field undoubtedly undoubtedly, took a lot of work. We're talking agriculture in a time where they didn't have any, they didn't have any insecticides. They didn't have pumps to fumigate and to get rid of, 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 of the insects. It was very hard work because day and night you needed to use branches and going with the family throughout the field uh, chasing or um, driving away the insects. It was, it was hard work. It was hard work. And Hispanic immigrants are very associated with agricultural hard work. It is very hard. You have no idea how hard it is being 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, picking up strawberries, uh, or pruning the trees in winter. You see them around the neighborhood. Uh, occasionally, when they are working in the fields and they are by the road, I park my car and speak with them. Just, just do it. They may not speak much uh, uh, in English, but if you are fair-skinned, I may not recommend it because uh, they may think you are from immigration, they may run away. That happened to me once. <laughs> yeah, I approached them and one of them just ran away thinking that I was a... <laughs> uh, but then, they, you know, they have taught me how to, how to prune trees and, and it, is, it is an art. They get rid of almost of, of uh, peaches and and apples, they have to get rid of almost 60% of the branches because it's the new shoots that will produce fruit the following year. So it is, it is an art, and the way they do it, it it's, it's, it's wonderful, but it's hard work. When I bought my house over here in, in, in Bering Springs and I moved in the middles of, of, of the 90s, the front of the house about... 25 meters, about 25 meters, 
The front of the house had cherry grass. It's this sort of plant, this sort of plant, decorating plant, that uh, uh, beautiful, it has not much maintenance during the summer. All you have to trim is the tops. But then during the fall, the leaves will get into the branches and removing them. It's a nightmare. And I remember my wife, honey, we need to, we need to remove the leaves. And it was hard work. So I decided that it was going to be easier to get, to get rid of the, of, the, of the cherry grass. This plant, it has vines they, they, that go all over under the, under the ground and very difficult to remove. And I have my, my son working with me. We will do probably two feet by eight feet. It will take us about three, four hours. But it was painful work. One day my son told me, Dad, do you know this is child slavery? You can go to jail for this. <laughs> and then my wife, my wife, um, uh, she was working at a clinic nearby and taking care of a lot of Hispanics. We met this, this young man. He's still in the area. His last name, I, I'm not going to say his name, but his last name is Jimenez. Jimenez. It's just like my second last name. My second last name is Jimenez. My, my mother is Jimenez. Easy in Spanish means son of. So Jimenez means son of Jimena. Rodriguez, son of Rodrigo. Martinez, son of Martin. Ramirez, son of Ramiro. It's like we have in English, Jason, Mattison. So uh, that's why I remember his last name. And um, uh, it, it was late uh, autumn. And he was without a job. He didn't have a job. And we were visiting. We were giving them Bible studies. And then it dawned on me, he can help me with the cherry grass. And I offered him a lot more money than he was making by the hour. And I thought it was going to take him about a week to do the whole thing. He brought his cousin. They had this radio station in Spanish, La Que Buena. And then, uh, in a matter of three hours, they completed everything. Incredible. They are incredible workers. It's hard work. It's not well paid. But we are very thankful. They are so good, especially the Mistecos. The Mistecos. These are um, people from Mexico that, uh, that come from Guerrero and from Puebla. Puebla is the crib of education in, in Mexico, like Massachusetts it's for us in the U.S. And uh, Puebla is beautiful. You can see the Iscaciwat and the Popocatépetl, those famous uh, volcanoes over there. Um, they are excellent to the point that in 1942, Second World War, the U.S. government made an arrangement with the government from Mexico to have people from Mexico coming and helping in the harvesting and in agricultural program, uh, 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 planting and plantation and harvesting. It's called the Bracero Program, 1942. Without them, I mean, the work that they do 
Try to do it once. Do it just for fun. Plant a garden in your house. I did it when I was living in California. I read a quotation of Ellen G. White in the book of education. Everyone should practice and have a garden and see how the Lord is making them grow. And I tried that. I really believed in that. <laughs> I was feeding the bugs and the rabbits. It, it is, it, it's, it, it's a lot of work if you want to do it. So immigrants, they have a lot of challenges, and we are immigrants to heaven. We have lots of challenges, many challenges. We have to bring bread to the table and, and pay tuition and uh, submit assignments sometimes. Yes. But Shama faced it. The rest of the people didn't. Uh, this is one lesson, one insight that not only hard work, but one of the things that we should not do when facing challenges in our way to heaven is run away. And this is what the people in the community over there where he was, it was in the valley of Raphaim. If you read verse 13, this troop of soldiers, the Philistines, they camped in the valley of Raphaim, which is in the, it's in Judea, is in Judea. But notice what verse 11 says. The Philistines got together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people from, the people fled from the Philistines. They fled from the enemy. And regardless of how difficult it is, we should not abdicate. We should do as Shama did, face it. Because if you run away from problems, from challenges, you'll become a permanent fugitive of challenges. This is what happens usually with divorce. You know, you divorce once, and they say that the second marriage is a lot more difficult to handle. I remember they were interviewing a Jaja Gabor. Jaja Gabor was a beautiful actress uh, uh, from Hungary, and uh, she was being interviewed in the 90s. I don't remember if it was, no, I don't think it was Larry King. Uh, but um, they asked, she, you know, she, was, she made a comment, and she said, as a very rich actress, and she says, I am a very good housekeeper. And the interviewer was surprised. Housekeeping, an actress? Yes, she said. I kept the houses of all the husbands I divorced. And uh, she had seven divorces, seven divorces. But you see, you run away from one, you get into another one, and you get into another one. Now, um, it's interesting, it is interesting to note that some versions, because I was reading this story in my Spanish version, and the place where this troop gathered together of Philistines, the English Standard Version uses names the place, Lehi. 
and I checked on all versions in Spanish, and it is Lehigh. However, it doesn't appear in the original Masoretic uh, um, writings. But they gathered over there. And what they did, they were taking advantage of performers. They were uh, experienced soldiers, and they waited until everything was harvested. So you have Shama. You have Shama. He spent months cultivating, taking care of his lentils. Now the lentils reach maturity. He harvested them, and he probably had them already in sacks in the barn that he had recently built. And then they are besieged, surrounded by these soldiers, by the Philistines. And I, I'm just homiletically adding a little bit. They probably send an emissary. Listen, folks, we are here. If you want to preserve your lives, live and run away and leave everything you have. All your harvest, your possessions, and, and Shama said no. I notice, he says, but, verse 12, he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it. In, in, in more colloquial or terms, we'll say, he parked in the middle of the field. And he defended it. And there is a lot to this story that we don't know. But the secret of his success was not physical force. It was God. It was God. And the success that we will find as immigrants to heaven, it will be God. Nor no our knowledge nor our physical power. God was the secret. And it is stated, stated at the end, the last line of verse 12. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Great victory. Well, we are facing all kinds of challenges. Peter warns us. He gives us this firm warning. Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom to devour. There are three approaches, approaches to, uh, to challenges and problems. And they have enumerated, enumerated, named them as fright, flight, and fight. Fright is the idea of you're, we are so intimidated we don't do anything. That's no good. Flight. In español, in Spanish, we say poner los pies en polvareda. It's not the solution. The solution is fight, but fight fair and in a constructive way. And there are paradigms how we fight. Normally, the paradigm we use is, I win, you lose. No. 
Sometimes losing is better. As a pastor for many years in Southern California, I remember that a lot of times when you recognize your mistake before the church board, they will love you because they will think, oh, he is human. You see, they will love it. And remember, it is better that 100 do the work that a pastor want, want to do than having to do it himself. But then there is fight. We should do it constructively in an edifying way with God's guidance and protection. That is the secret. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our journey, our journey will find many challenges and setbacks. Shama, the immigrant, provides rich insights on how to do it. And the key is God. Let me read some texts that I collected for the conclusion. If God is with us, who can be against us? Romans. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can one can man do to me? The Lord is on my side, my helper. I should look in triumph on those who hate me. Psalm 118. One more. One more. For he... God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you. I will not in any way, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on to you. So we take comfort and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What, what can men do to me? Let us stand up for the benediction. To all my colleagues, at the seminary, students and friends, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.